that we that we have in repentance and there's a rejoicing that comes from this brokenness we six weeks ago i know a long time ago and we've probably all forgotten <laughs> what uh was taught then and uh but basically the doctrine of repentance and so this was basically part two uh one thing i didn't get to get to in that was the joy that comes from the brokenness of sin and so we're going to really dig into that, and um, that will be in the text from Psalm 51 um, with David's sin and how he responds to that uh, with God, and, but mainly 1 through 17. Uh, I won't be diving deep into each verse, um, but mainly uh, more going through this um, Good thing of the right word. Going through it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> uh, to begin, you know, we think about joy and, you know, how much we desire it. And, you know, it, it's, it's what our life is all about. That's what the world tells us. And we seek it in our Christian lives, whether it be in God, whether it be in the world. Um, you know, we seek joy in relationships and the joy in the food we eat. And our vacations and sports and hunting and, uh, you know, the shows we watch and Snapchat and Facebook and all these different things we have here on this earth. And, and then thus maybe for a majority of us, too, is, isn't it that we work, you know, to provide ourselves with these things that give us some type of joy, that we have some type of delight in, that we have some type of enjoyment in that. And there are many things that God has blessed us here with, you know, here on earth. And, um, you know, many of them are good things. And we realize they are good things that come from God. But I realize they are temporal things. And they can only bring a temporary joy. They cannot bring the fullness of joy, which uh, it only comes from our Father. You know, Psalm 1611 says, in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore fullness of joy pleasures forevermore I think I've got to turn something on Jake it's working not working either huh okay all right oh well we'll go on Okay, uh, so the joy you see, you need to see the joy we seek here, it, it's, it's fleeting, and the joys found in this world, they're just they're but a moment, okay? And it has nothing to do with eternity, and in fact, this joy seeking is typically in spite of eternity, and it can easily become adulterous, it can easily be idolatry uh, for us. The seeking of joy in this world is definitely dangerous waters. 1 John 2, 15-17 says, Do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Love of the, for the world is in, in direct competition with your love for God. So in where you place your love will be your source of joy. Where you place your love is your source of joy. Now we all struggle in various ways and you know, with different levels of devotion to the worldly pleasures and pursuits. You know, we're constantly moving toward God, 
you know, and away from God. We're constantly moving, you know, to the world and away from the world. And we have this, we have this battle always going on with our devotion and, and desires and where we seek our pleasures. And when we go back and forth, you know, in sin and out of sin. Do you know the struggle I speak of? <laughs> We're so fickle, joyful, then angry, and joyful, then sad, and we seem to always be chasing joy, happiness, and pleasures. But think about this. Isn't, isn't this joy the product? This joy I speak of in this world, this temporal joy, isn't it really you know, like a product of self-satisfaction in many cases? And, and it's a peace and comfort and trust that we have in things in this world, a dependence that we place on it. I mean, isn't that what money does for us so easily? When we haven't, isn't there, when we do have it, isn't there a dependence on it? We may not see it at the time, but we place a dependence on it. You know, when we, when we don't have it, which many of us have been through maybe financial crisis, maybe you're in one right now, you know, it causes worry, anxiety, and, and anger or sadness. In other words, it's like, what, what is it for you in this world that you place your trust in? That you're seeking satisfaction and, and peace and comfort in? In Luke 18, you think about when Jesus asked the rich young ruler to sell all he possessed, what was the man's response? Feel free to yell it out if you want. What was the man, the, the, rich, the rich young ruler's response when Jesus told him to sell everything he had? Children, you remember that account or his parable? He was sad, yeah, he didn't want to because he possessed much. He was very rich. So Jesus revealed to him that his joy was greater in his worldly riches than joy in Christ. And this love for the world we have to see is indeed an idolatry. Anything short of loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might is a transgression of his law. It is sin, and we are guilty of it now, and we will fall short of that until glorified in Christ. So the question here is not whether you will sin, but the question is how will you respond? Will you repent of it or not? Will you admit and cry out in, in prayer as David does in Psalm 51, 3 through 4? He says, or prays, he cries out, for, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done evil in your sight. Because of David's self-seeking pleasure and violation of God's law, in his disobedience and his sin against God, David's moved to brokenness. The brokenness, you know, this demonstrates his brokenness and, and humility. This demonstrates a God-honoring sorrow. And this, God, this godly sorrow is rooted in a God-honoring joy, which we're going to come back to. In other words, God, <laughs> excuse me, Godly sorrow comes from displeasing the God of love. Children, can you remember a time you might have disobeyed, disobeyed your parents? Probably, right? And, you know, were you sorrowful for it? Maybe there hopefully might be a bit of time you were sorrowful for that. 
But maybe there was a time you came, you know, under, under conviction that you came back to your parents and you wanted to tell them about your sin. But before the words even came out of your mouth, you, you broke down in tears. Maybe not even able to speak. It's because you were so sorrowful for displeasing them. It's not just because of the fear of punishment. Yes, in many cases that was my, you know, for tears were for the fear of the spanking. But it's because you loved them, right? You displeased them. There's, there's a brokenness. There's, there's tears of sorrow for displeasing your parents because you love them. After all of this, on the other side of this pain and brokenness, that comes the reconciliation. It's restored love and joy with your parent. You may be after the pain of the spanking and, and the pain of the sin, uh, you know, under conviction of that. You know, the father and mother might come back to you and comfort in you. It's comfort, the joy in that, that came through that process. Similarly, when we sin against God our Father and when we turn from sin, God's presence that was missing is restored. And then there's renewed joy and gladness. This is the real joy. This is the joy I'm trying to get to here in repentance. That comes from repentance. So today, or to understand this, let's look at our text. Psalm 51, 1 through 17. Again, this is, if you're not familiar with it, it's with um, after Nathan comes to David and confronts him about these sins and his sins with Bathsheba, the adultery and his lies and and the murders. Verse 1, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only I have sinned, and done was evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in uh, in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. In the hidden part, you will make me no wisdom." Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And sustain me with your willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, 
A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Let's go ahead and uh, pray. O Father, your word is truth. By it, you convert souls. You rejoice the heart. You enlighten eyes. Through it, you reveal Christ to us. By it, we know you. We know your great works, your great mercy, your abundant loving kindness. Oh, Father, we, we are sinners and Would you help us today just to see you as all-powerful and a holy and perfect God and a God who judges and that we may seek you, that we may seek Christ. That we seek obedience. Lord, use my, my weakness and... Would you speak to me today? Bring truth to your people. In Christ's name, amen. So, I, I don't know who, who was here last time, but <clears throat> why focus on repentance again? I, I know I've already mentioned yeah, we have joy that comes out of that, but as I thought more about it and why I brought it in the first place, place was because um, as I learned more about it, it was really a blessing to me. And as I saw that this was something that is missing in so many churches from the pulpit. The gospel was faith and Repentance. We believe from the promises of Christ, yet there has to be repentance of sins. Sins have, have to, we have to be confronted. So many churches are just preaking this, this seeker-sensitive, ear-tickling garbage that it, it's based off the philosophy of our culture over, it can even get into it, that how, how dare we or anyone ever talk to us about our sins and confront us, but <laughs> that's the only way it can be forgiveness and, and to be with Christ and, and near to God and, and draw back to him. So it's just, it's just a missing doctrine. It's, uh, one Puritan said it, it's you know, faith and repentance are the two wings which we fly to heaven, you know, there's both. It's not just, you can't just believe. It's repentance of sins as well. Anyway, so to understand joy and repentance, we must first understand repentance. So I just want a quick uh, review of that, um, and then we'll move back to joy and understanding what that is, what fullness, what true, what real joy is. 
So repentance is, is most, to me, the most basic definition. It's a heartfelt sorrow for sin, a renouncing of it, and a seer commitment to forsake it and walk in obedience to Christ. Or defined, which captures all of it in the, the Westminster Larger Catechism. Repentance unto life is a saving grace wrought in the heart of a sinner by the Spirit and by the Word of God, whereby, whereby out of the sight and sense, not only of the danger, but also the filthiness and odiousness of his sins, and upon the apprehension of God's mercy in Christ to such as are penitent or sorrowful. So he grieves for and hates sins, and he turns from them all to God, purposing and endeavoring constantly to walk with him in all ways of new obedience. <clears throat> so from this, just a few points, you know, we don't, well, I want you to understand is it's a gift. Okay, it's a grace, it's a work of the Holy Spirit in the sinner's heart that results in a turning from sin to God. It says, Acts eleven eighteen says, God has granted or gifted and supplied to the Gentiles, also the repentance that leads to life. So I'm saying that it's not, repentance is not an act that we can conjure up on our own. It's not a works by us. But it's a grace of God that needs sought after and prayed for. Repentance is progressive, meaning that it's, it's a continuous turning from sin and turning to Christ in faith and walking righteous obedience. It's not just a one-time act. Okay. It continues. It's part of our sanctification. You know, where God enables one more and more to die unto sin and live more unto righteousness. It's just continuous again and again. Why repent? Now you are called to repent. Repentance is commanded. Mark 1.15, Jesus Christ said, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repentance is required for forgiveness of sins. Acts 3.19, Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Thus repentance is required so you will not perish, will have eternal life. So Luke 13, 5, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. We must repent. Who repents? The humble. It's the humble heart that is soft and tender, which senses the smallest transgression. So do, do a little experiment with me, especially children. Eric, find a hair, if you, if you can find one in your hand. Maybe you have to touch someone on your head or something. You ever done that? You sneak up behind someone and you touch a little hair on their head? You know, I can see her right now. I know I can see it, but I probably, you know, I can do this. I can feel it, right? It's very, very sensitive. So that, I mean, that to me, that's just an amazing thing. But that's what a humble heart is like. It's just, it's very sensitive to sin. Second Chronicles thirty four, twenty seven says, "Because your heart was tender, because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God, 
when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants, and because you humbled yourself before me, tore your clothes and wept before me, I truly have heard you, declares the Lord. When God hears the humble cry out, there is mercy, there is forgiveness and blessings and comfort and joy. Isaiah 57, 18 says, I will comfort those who mourn. God exalts those who humble themselves and he grants nearness to himself. In his presence is fullness of joy. So, oh, what the joy that there is that comes from repentance. What a joy to be brought near to him. It's, you know, what a, have, what a joy to have restored what was lost. But again, what was lost. So I want to break down the joy uh, in repentance into four components. That's even the right way to say it. Um, from, from Psalm 51, I saw this as, as four main parts of a cycle, okay, which it's basically sanctification, a part, a part of sanctification. So four main parts. So we have, there, there's joy in God. Okay, we have this delight in, in God and his laws. This is, this is full joy. It's a joy made full in obedience, which moves Maybe this way for you guys, if we're going around. Okay, to two, violation of law, okay, it brings a godly sorrow. We see, like, what, what David, you can see his brokenness, right? This is, the, this is a missing joy. There's, there's a weightiness of sin felt here. Then, three, we see David throughout a seeking of restoration of this joy. The renewal, seeking of nearness, earnest pleading, wash me, cleanse me, purify me, renew me, restore me, deliver me. And then which moves back, it could be the same joy, but I have another joy over here. <laughs> I don't know. Joy counts as restored. This, this is like, this is the once restored. You know, it's the gladness we see at the end. I will sing joyfully, dancing, there's peace, there's comfort. Verse 13, then my tongue will sing or joyfully sing. So moving around that. So one, there must be joy in God. So we talked about this some already. Okay, we had joy in the world. Here's, okay, I see that, John. We, here's, here's joy in God. Let's, let's deeper, deeper in that, okay? So joy in God is the ground of godly sorrow over sin. This way. Okay, or since we're not talking about a ground but a cycle, let me say that again. Joy in God okay, is the ground of godly sorrow over sin. Meaning that there, there must be a joy in God before there is a godly sorrow over sin. You see that? There must be a joy in God we have here before this can occur. Okay. I mean, do, do you think David, or David, David, do you think David had joy in God? You could look through the Psalms like, Anywhere. Okay, yes. He's known as the, da- or the man after God's own heart, right? David, you know, knows that his presence, God's presence, is fullness of joy. In his right hand are pleasures forevermore. David treasures keeping the laws of God. He is, he is zealous for good works. And of course, you know, so as we should be. 
You know, there is joy in keeping and obeying the commandments of the Lord. There is joy in keeping and obeying the commandments of the Lord. So obviously when we don't do that, that's when we're moved to okay, brokenness. We see there's something wrong here. We violated something. First um, John 15, 10 through 12 says, Christ says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things, or these things I have spoken to you, these things, keeping my commandments, I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. You see, Christ's obedience to his Father is the basis of his joy. It's true for us. Your joy is made full in obedience. This is not, and I'm not talking about a legalistic obedience here. Okay. Turn me, turn me with me, if you would, to First Peter. Uh, sorry, First Peter one three through nine. I think this this really captures this joy. First Peter one three through nine. This is the inexpressible joy. I see this as the inexpressible joy in knowing the holiness of God, the God of mercy, the God of compassion, and the God of love. Again, starting in verse 3, 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of souls, this, this should make us glad and rejoice to have a God so great in mercy <clears throat> who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To have a God so abundant in grace who has given us an Im- imperishable inheritance that is protected and will not fade away. To have a God so mighty who protects his saints by his power through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, beloved, we greatly rejoice. It's because of his great love that we have joy inexpressible. This is this, the joy. It's, it's an indescribable joy. 
inexpressible, indescribable. It's a joy, it's overwhelming, it's unspeakable and incomparable to anything else imaginable. And I know this might be hard to grasp. So we're so diligent in, in seeking the joy of God. So, moving on to the two. So then, when we disobey our great God of love, this, this is what breaks us. There are tears of sorrow from displeasing our Father. When we violate his law, there's, there's the brokenness. There's, there's awareness of the sin, right, like the hair. It's an acknowledgement of it and a mourning. Look at David's response to his sin with Bathsheba. I think we looked at this once, but it's worth noting again. For I know my transgressions, and the sin is ever before me against you. You only I have sinned and has done evil, and done what is evil in your sight. Now, can you sense his humiliation here? His anguish. My sin, my sin is ever before me. He knows he's displeased God. He's offended the God of love. He has sinned against the holy God. So you can see yet how God's great love for us, his love that shines upon us, his love that we behold, it makes us leave sin, to turn from it. But can you see that you must know God and his holiness as your joy before their absence can be your sorrow? Does that make sense? You must know God and his holiness as your joy before the absence of it can be your sorrow. You must fall in love with God before estrangement from God truly hurts, before there's a brokenness. This is, this is a God-honoring joy. Or sorry, a God-honoring sorrow. There's joy in that too. It's a God-honoring sorrow that eventually leads back to gladness and singing and joy. But one more critical component, that before joy is restored, before there is joy and repentance, there must be a, this is three, there must be an earnest seeking and praying and crying out to God for reconciliation. It's like the repairing of the relationship. If we look at Psalm 51 again, here we see David pray with a, a broken and contrite heart. We can just, if you just picture him, him on his knees in this moment, in this prayer. I'm just going to run through some different, where, where he's different uh, parts where he's crying out. Verse 1, be gracious to me. Verse 2, wash me. Verse 3, cleanse me. Verse 7, purify me. Verse 8, make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart. Renew me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Verse 12, sustain me. 
14, deliver me, O God, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my lips will joyfully sing of your righteousness. Christ says in John 16, 23, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask for the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Let's not, let's not stop there and think we can ask anything and they'll be given to you. Okay, like a million dollars. All right. But go on. Until now, verse 24, until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Ask and you receive so that your joy may be made full. God will not despise a broken and contrite heart. He is generous, willing, and eager to uphold a humble believer. And the joy that was gone, the joy that was lost through the sin, can now be restored. And the brokenness turns into gladness, back into joy. Here, you know, here we taste the sweetness of God's grace, right? It's a joy inexpressible. Brothers and sisters, David's sins were apparent, right? They're very, you could see, not only revealed to us, but if that happens in society or, you know, in our world, you can see those easy, Right? Maybe not lying, but we do see the adultery and the murder. But what about you? What about your sins? And trust me, I remember one guy I said, there's always three fingers point back to me, right? So, you know, are you committing adultery with loves of the world, its pleasures? James 4.4, 4, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Is there something else in your life that's offending the God of love? Are you harboring bitterness towards someone and need to forgive them? You know, children, are you truly honoring your parents? Obeying them? Husbands, are you laying down your life for your wife? That's hard. <laughs> Is there anger and pride that needs repented of? Or you just need to repent maybe for your lack of repentance? And what are you doing with your life? What am I doing with my life? Is it, is it pleasing? Are you pleasing yourself? Is that what life's all about? Are you pleasing God? Are you seeking obedience and this fullness of joy in Him? To so examine your heart, acknowledge the sin, repent and seek reconciliation with God. And when, when God is reconciled to you, 
you have all things necessary for happiness. There is joy in repentance. I just want to end with this. It's uh, part of a new song uh, I saw from a a conference. And it says, uh, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, my greatest treasure of my longing soul, my God, like you, there is no other. True delight is found in you alone. True delight is found in you alone. Your grace, a well too deep to fathom, your love exceeds the heaven's reach. Your truth, a fount of perfect wisdom, my highest good and my unending need. Let's pray. Oh God, your grace is so deep. That we, that we continue so often to fall short. Lord, we're thankful that you have mercy upon us. That you wouldn't just, that you would even save some. by your grace and by your power that you would regenerate. You would effectively call and not just knock on our hearts, but break down that door. Oh, Lord, call us to faith. Those you haven't called, call to faith and repentance. To believe in your promises of your Son who died on the cross and shed his blood. To have eternal life, to be with you, to adopt us into your family. Lord, would you be with us? Help us to see your joy and the obedience we can have, or the fullness of joy we can have in, in obedience. Help us to have tender hearts that we may sense sin when we trespass against you, when we disobey. We dishonor whatever it might be. And that we would be constantly, fervently upon our knees and pleading. Pleading for your forgiveness. And that we may have joy. Joy in Christ. Inexpressible joy. Pray this in Christ's precious name. Amen.